0: Our Bible reading this morning is taken from the book of Colossians, chapter 4, and commencing to read at the second verse. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Amen. Yeah, my thanks uh, to Alan for uh, reading for us. Thanks to Rachel for for your prayers as well. Um, We have felt beautifully enveloped by uh, your love, as uh, my family have settled in here. And um, it's a very great joy to be able to open God's Word with you this morning. Um, The passages that I'm going to refer to, which is beyond chapter 4 of Colossians, will appear on screen, but of course it's a very sensible thing to have your Bibles Uh, open in front of you, just to make sure that the person up front is saying things in line with God's Word. So um, I may encourage you to grab your Bibles or your Bibles on your phones, and um, I want to start by asking us a question to consider as we embark on this series in everyday evangelism. Where is your passion? Take a minute to think about it. On what or on whom is your heart set? I had some lovely conversations around morning tea after our 8 o'clock gathering this morning and evidently when I started speaking to people I began to find out where their passions lie because it's obvious, isn't it, where our passions lie. We talk about things. Like, for example, the blessing of a precious new child or grandchild in the family. Uh, Perhaps it might be that you're talking to somebody and they're saying, finally, I'm going to be able to go on the overseas trip. For others it might be, I'm very glad to be able to consolidate my property portfolio and to have a future prepared for myself and my spouse and my children, my children's children. It might be that you talk incessantly about the blessing of now living in the Illawarra and that there's no place better in the whole wide world. (laughs) Was that the beginnings of applause? God bless you. Now, I wonder as you think about where your passion is, your passion, on what you have your heart set, if you consider what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ in that context. Where is our passion then? What sets our hearts racing? What gives us excitement? What inspires us to be more disciplined in life? In times of darkness or loneliness, where does the light break in? Who can lift our attitudes and our affections from the mundane to the majestic, that our hearts might be set no more on things below but things above? Well, if you know Jesus Christ, then you will have a passion for Him and find over time that that passion grows. And so we read with Paul, the apostle, when he writes in chapter 3 to the Colossian church, verses 1 and 2, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, and that's a very radical and countercultural notion in the Illawarra, in Australia, in our modern world, isn't it? It's unusual to let an invisible and untouchable hope for the future beyond this lifetime inform and influence and direct our present priorities and purposes for this lifetime. But followers of Jesus are not motivated by sight. We're motivated by faith. We do not perceive the world through rose-colored glasses, but rather we put on our gospel glasses. That is so much better. <laughs> in other words, we think Jesus' thoughts. We seek to speak his words. We take his perspective so as to communicate Christ, God's Son, to a world in need of forgiveness and hope. And so if there's a big idea that I hope we draw from these verses today, it is this, that we might persevere in praying and promoting Christ to people with passion. And that perseverance will need God's help. So would you join me in prayer as we ask Him, Father God, we have sung praises to You because You are worthy of praise. We have prayed prayers to You because you hear us and delight to answer the prayers of your children. We pray now as we come before your word that we would sit under your word and not put ourselves upon it and over it. That through your word and spirit at work in our lives, we would look more and more like Jesus and be better and able to point people to him. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, in the book of Colossians, uh, Paul is writing to followers of Jesus Christ Chapters 1 and 2, he's essentially clarified who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. That, that Jesus is the one who saves his people from our sins and brings forgiveness. And then Jesus is the one who's risen from death into life eternal and gives hope for the life to come. And having done that, we then settle into chapter 3. And Paul gives us my first point, the opportunity to communicate with perspective. Uh, Paul says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And I have to say, if you're anything like me, and I know most of us drive automatic cars in Australia, but you know what I mean when I talk about a manual car, right? You go through the gears. If you're anything like me, you tend to wake up in the morning and start in reverse gear, Isn't that right? Spiritually, going backwards, and then you look in the mirror, (laughs) and to get into first gear, I find that I have to remind myself, bleary-eyed and in need of glasses these days, who am I? (laughs) First gear, I'm a child of God. That's who I am. In fact, whose am I? I'm His, because He sent His eternal Son, Jesus, into the world, to live a a life according to his good and perfect law that I could never do. Second gear. I remember as I reflect on his word and read his word that Jesus died in my place on a cross for my failure and the failures of all humanity to live honoring God so that my sins could be forgiven and that God's rightful wrath against my rebellion, Jesus would take upon himself in my place. Third gear, Jesus rose again from death to eternal life, never to die again, to vindicate the honor of his Father God in heaven and to secure me a place with him forever. Fourth gear, I belong to God. Verse three, you died. Now your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see, if we have died with Christ on the cross, our lives are no longer our own. But now they are His. The power of His Spirit working in me is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to life eternal. And now I'm thinking and acting and speaking like the Son of God as He enables me. That's not to say that I'm no longer Robin, that my personality has somehow dissolved i remain who i am but my perspective has changed such that i begin as christ works through me to mirror his character and become more like him isn't that what you found on your journey with jesus we become more like him as we loosen the grip on the things below it seems that we tighten the grip on the things above this is not my idea i got this 20 years ago from simon manchester as i it's a good idea as i tighten my grips on the things above i release my grip on the things below if i try and hold on to the things below i loosen my grip on the things above and so my character is shaped by christ and as he works in me that power that raised him from the dead i i look to the things above and loosen my grip on these things below and of course then i move to fifth gear because most cars today have a fifth gear, if they're manual, which is the one that says Jesus will come again in glory to fulfill his promise to take us to be with him forever. Verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. That's his promise to us. And so what follows Is Paul describing now in verses 5 to 11 in chapter 3 that we put to death the old values of the life outside Christ, that in verses 12 to 17 we put on a new garment of Christ-like virtues which are committed to serving others for God's honour, and then in verses 18 to chapter 4 verse 1 we begin to see what household relationships will look like as Christ permeates who we are so that he would be glorified. And then what happens is Paul says, well, what can I do to ensure that Christ's concern for his people has become my concern for his people? And we move into this chapter 4, verses 2 to 4. This is my second point, that we will communicate Christ through prayer. At this everyday evangelism course that we began uh, just this last Tuesday, uh, our very own Steve Abbott, who wrote the course, is teaching it to us. Begins by setting the bar at the level the Lord intended. It is clear to me from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, that God has given us evangelists, big E evangelists, and we'll, we know them, don't we? I mean, I think you'll be able to name. You might be one of them, but you'll name the. They've got a particular quality to them, don't they? They just talk and talk about Jesus. And they're a bit maverick. They're a bit edgy. In fact, we've got to work hard with the ones who seem to follow them into our church family. But not everyone's a big evangelist. However, Paul says that we can all ask God to make gospel preachers, evangelists, effective. In fact, he says, have a look at verse 2, everybody devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, and thankful devote yourselves to prayer what is our attitude towards our father god well god wants our conversations with him to be foundational building blocks in our lives prayer ought to be rather like what we do with our bodies when we take a breath and breathe out i mean do you think about when you breathe you do it we do it naturally don't we and what Paul wants for us is to be praying as, almost as naturally as the body is breathing. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said, I would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. Actually, Charles Spurgeon also said, and I quote, the prayers that come leaping out of the soul, the gust of strong emotion, fervent desire, lively faith, these are truly spiritual. And no prayers but spiritual prayers will God accept. Oh, that's a high bar, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's just Spurgeon, though, right? Or is it? Because it seems to me that Paul's in that space. In fact, Paul is saying to us, I want you to be energetically devoted to praying, keeping the lines of communication with our Father in heaven open. Paul's mind is set on the things above, and so he moves very quickly to say, I want you to be praying for our evangelistic ministry and the preaching of the gospel. And he's the best preacher in history, most likely. He needs prayer, which goes to say that he doesn't lean on his own ability. He seeks men and women of faith who will support his ministry. And likewise, with Shane and our plethora of preachers that we have who stand on this platform, and indeed our evangelists, we would love your prayers. That we might, with you, gather before the throne of grace as we seek to preach the gospel, because the best gift that you can give to your preachers and evangelists is to pray for them. So says Paul. The preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ on the platform in this building, but also the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ at the platform of the local train station where our evangelists might stand, so to speak. We need your prayer. Would you pray for us? Please? Paul goes on to say that we're to specifically pray that God may open a door for the message. Remember, Paul, he's in chains. We find that out later in the letter. One wonders what he's asking for here, that that rather like what happened in the the Philippian jail, that the doors might fling open, (laughs) perhaps. Or maybe it's just that while he's in jail, god would give him an audience to speak to or maybe it's a picture of opening the doors of the mind and spirit for those to whom he's speaking while he's in jail that they would be open to the gospel i don't know which of those it is might be one of those intentional ambiguities god left in his word so that all of those work but he does say that we might verse four pray that he might proclaim it clearly as he should that those who preach the gospel would speak with clarity so that the message could be understood. His prayer requests, you notice, Paul, are always intensely practical. We need an open door and we need a clear voice so that Paul could, verse 3, share the message to proclaim the mystery of Christ. Now, what is this mystery? Well, I think we picked that up back in chapter 1, where it says that God has made his enemies friends, chapter 1, verse 21, which is good news to be shared with everyone, verse 23, according to his promises, verse 25, and which is both for God's chosen people, the Jews, verse 26, and the Gentiles, verse 27. Chapter 1, the mystery of Christ revealed to Jew and Gentile, a gospel for everyone. May he preach that fearlessly, that salvation and hope is available in Jesus. So communicating Christ begins with faithful prayer. But I have to say that whilst Paul here is referring to prayer for the biggie evangelists, he doesn't let any of us off the hook. Because he goes on to say, my third and final point, that this gospel is communicated and promoted to people by everyone. Every one of us is a little e evangelist. And Paul says we must accept responsibility for making our own gospel ministry effective. We might not all stand on platforms, but Paul says that we are to promote the gospel. Firstly, in the way we act, and secondly, in the way we speak. And the challenge to each of us is Paul doesn't just say, if you wish, or here's my suggestion. He actually says it as a command. Have a look with me at verse 5. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. You see, wisdom here is contrasted to ignorance, which is where we don't know what's going on, and folly, where we do know what's going on, but we choose not to do what we should be doing. Sometimes we thought about how we act, Other times, the more spontaneous amongst us might just do it and think about it later, right? But we have learned from our Bibles how we ought to be acting and how God wants us to behave in a way that honours Him. Sometimes I know, like me, you simply choose not to. (laughs) So the question for us today is, are we compassionate? Are we generous Are we caring for one another? Or are we complacent? Are we getting drawn into the alluring things of below this world where we find that our attitudes are more aligned to those of our celebrities than the Apostle Paul? Or perhaps we spend too much time with that inexhaustible opportunity for streaming and scrolling. Uh, Maybe outsiders look to the saints at victory and rejoice in how we have invested our lives in securing an eternal place for them. Or maybe sometimes they look at us and go, they're just like us, securing their future below. I wonder whether our conversations are a safe place for our neighbours or a place in which they wonder whether they're going to be slandered or gossiped about? Are we known for our goodwill or our gossip? Do we act wisely? And if so, do we make the most of every opportunity? Do we find that people see in our lives an opportunity to ask, why are they like that? And we're able to say in response, because Jesus is like this. See, wise Christians are ready to respond with both compassion and a courageous word. As doors of opportunities open, we should not be surprised that God opens doors to make Jesus known. And so, Paul goes on to say that when people are drawn to the way that we act, we should have a ready word. He says in verse 6, "'Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The first thing is that the manner and mood of our conversation may be gracious, kind, willing to forgive, and compassionate, but also firm and true. A posture of beggars who have found that profound spiritual food that nourishes the soul but also willing to show other beggars where we have found it, in Christ. Secondly, he says, seasoned with salt. I don't think that there's any limit on the zest or stimulation that we can bring to mind and heart. And certainly with some of the issues that we're facing in our world today, there are some very zesty things that we can say that will go against the flow. And thirdly, knowing how to answer. Not being a know-it-all but rather be willing to go to the Word of God and say, let's look at this together and find an answer to those questions. And how do we persevere in praying and promoting Christ to people with passion? Well, I think this is where I want us to land today, perseverance, because if the main theme of Paul's letter to the church in Colossae is Christ, The main thing he wants from those who are there is for them to stand firm and persevere. I'm going to finish in chapter 1 again, verses 28 to 29, as we think about our passion for Jesus Christ and our desire to communicate him with perspective from above. We pray for those who proclaim him in preaching. We promote him in our lives. But Paul's purpose, as we read in verse 28 of chapter 1, is that the Jesus Christ is the one we proclaim, admonishing or correcting and teaching or directing everyone with all wisdom, but to what end? That everyone may be presented fully mature in Christ. There will be a day when we meet Jesus face to face and he wants each and every one of God's people to be ready for that day. How will Paul achieve this? How will pastors and evangelists and men and women and children achieve this? I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've been doing it for years. I got my first black belt after four years. I got my second black belt after four years. Do you know how long I've been at at Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Nearly a decade. I don't know, I'm getting older and becoming a slower learner. But as you go through each belt, they give you a word to focus on. The first word from white to blue belt is courage you kicked it off the second one from blue belt to purple belt it takes forever so that word is patience the third one from purple to brown belt is hard work that's where i am now it's hard yakka but do you know what the last one is from brown to black it's perseverance perseverance takes a long time to get a black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu And it's appropriate because when I roll or wrestle with a man in a good way, it's all these things. (laughs) It's hard work. It's perseverance. You don't want to get tapped out. You want to tap them out. Paul wants us to persevere in praying and promoting Christ to people with passion. And he says, verse 29, to this end, I agonize. Or if I can use my translation... I wrestle. Paul's constantly wrestling to ensure that each and every one of God's precious people is presented mature in Christ. And he wants that for each and every one of us too, to be wrestling, to be agonizing, to be presented pure, and to see others presented mature in Christ. But not in our own strength. But notice what he says in verse 29 of chapter 1, with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me, we have access to the Spirit of God with the eternal Word of God that raised Christ to life forever. Such are the resources that we have been given. So perspective comes from setting our hearts and our minds on things above, not below, We pray for our evangelists and pastors and preachers and all ministers of the gospel that the doors would be open and they would communicate Christ clearly. And each and every one of us has the opportunity to promote Christ by our actions that reflect the actions of Jesus and by our words which reflect the words of Jesus. To persevere in praying and promoting Christ to people with passion. Let us persevere. Now, I'm going to really throw down the gauntlet for this week in terms of application because the Lord's done this for me. (laughs) You remember last week we talked about the garment of grace and there were three points that we looked at for what it means to wear that garment of grace and I wonder how you're persevering in that. Uh, uh, For this first point, we were looking at being faithful by sharing in our life groups and our life groups have started up again this week haven't they had a wonderful time yesterday with our life group leaders a number of them coming together under God's word and praying together very thankful for that opportunity and if you're not in a life group yet may I encourage you to get into one so that we might journey in faith together in that crucible of pastoral care and prayer with a degree of intimacy that we can't have on a Sunday together and if you're not yet please speak to Jo and she'll make sure that you get into the right community for your life group Um, that's where we agonize and wrestle together secondly can I encourage you to be adventurous to do the course on everyday evangelism. Praise God that there was a good number of us there last Tuesday. And in fact, some of those who were there are teaching the everyday evangelism course to members of their life groups. But I want to thank Steve for getting this off the ground and tooling us up last Tuesday, helping me think through how to preach a sermon today in line with the first part of the course. And if you've missed the first session, it's okay. You can catch up and join us again this Tuesday. Thirdly, I want to think about compassion. We've got compassion with us, and I'm so thankful to Spiro being with us and sharing how we can share the Lord's compassion. Those beautiful children in Indonesia, in Gekaiye. Apparently, uh, Spiro was telling me that they learned that song in English so that they could present it to those who came on the Compassion Tour. What a beautiful commitment. i encourage you to prayerfully consider partnering with Compassion investing in children in Jesus name but also I want to say that there was a challenge I gave for forgiveness far out you know part of me wishes I hadn't done that last week because you know what the Lord's done with me and Sarah I I was going oh Lord just show me somebody and I was like oh him has that happened for you this week I mean, the Lord's brought to mind for me and Sarah, two people for whom we need to work. I'm just working out the mechanics this week of how to do that. That's a perseverance. It's not just a flash in the pan one week. This is is how we can show the love of Christ and forgiveness in a profound and persevering way, faithfully, adventurously, compassionately. Let me encourage you, please, on that journey. Let's pray together. Father God, we want to pray that you would enable us day by day to shift gears, to ensure that Jesus Christ is the foremost passion in our lives. Enable us to be faithful. Enable us to be adventurous. Enable us to be compassionate. For your glory, we pray. Amen.